I think saying something out loud, even yeah. to yourself. I yeah. think I think we say a lot of things to ourselves internally. Yeah. And there is so much power in moving our mouths yeah. and putting volume to something. Yeah. And like that may feel silly, but like if you're feeling this way and don't have the comfortability to say it to someone else yet, I encourage you to find it, even if it's a, a stranger on warm lines or someone that you can trust or a therapist. Mm -hmm. But if not, find the courage to say it to yourself. Like go sit in your car or <laughs> stand in your closet mm -hmm. or yeah. do something because yeah, you're your first greatest resource and the one you need to access the most yeah. before you can access other ones. I think there's a beautiful reflection of creating space for yourself by doing something like speaking something out loud that mm -hmm. correlates really closely to the you're allowed to be here piece of yes. wanting to escape. Mm -hmm. I feel like so many people with suicide feel like the world would be better without them mm -hmm. or it would just yeah. be easier for those they loved or whatever that they don't deserve to belong. Mm -hmm. And I think Beautiful the side. claiming your space by even saying out loud how you're feeling yeah. is a very great mirror and a first step to saying, I deserve to be here. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. And I'm your host, Hannah Warren. Hey friends, thanks for joining us for a special episode of the Living Centered Podcast. In honor of National Suicide Prevention Week, we have invited Onsite's clinical supervisor, Emily Cadillac, to help us create a safe space to talk about something that affects so many people. We hope that this conversation meets you where you are today and offers you some hope and healing on your journey. Whether you or someone you love is impacted by suicidality, you are not alone. I loved this conversation, and Hannah and I were so grateful for the ways that Emily framed the conversation to invite us all to look within at our own comfortability with our own suffering and our understanding of our emotional landscape. She created a really safe space for both Hannah and I to share some of our own stories and invited us into a deeper conversation. Our hope is that by talking about suicide, we can all seek to show up better for ourselves and the people we love by fostering empathy and connection and broadening our understanding of this topic. Thanks again for joining us. And today, friend, I would just encourage you to be gentle with yourself. If you're not in a place to engage with this topic or join in on this conversation, I hope that you would give yourself the space to find the connection, hope, and healing that you need. We also encourage you to reach out for professional help. You can find support at TWLOHA.com, where To Write Love on Her Arms has an incredible resource catalog of resources and connections in your area. If you need immediate support, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 or if you just need someone to talk to, we talk a lot in this episode about warmline.org. No matter what you're facing, there is a way forward. Healing is possible. You matter, and I am so grateful that you are here. Welcome, Emily. Thanks for sitting down with us. Uh, we were just saying before we started recording that we need to have you more often on the podcast. Yeah. So I am excited to glean from your wisdom today. And I love that we're in person. Mm, what a special treat. It's That's a different so vibe. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. It's nice to not it's be behind a screen. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about topics that are a little bit harder to talk about yeah. or can be. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about suicide and exploring that together. Let's explore this together and let's continue to. Let's, okay. let's yeah. make that a normal part of our interacting, our check-ins. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I think that's, at least from where I sit, mm -hmm. part of the hope in sharing and having conversations is that we can normalize mm -hmm. this topic a bit more. It's It feels hard and scary. And that is also a part of it. Yeah. I, you know, I think because we oftentimes, I think, have a lot of doubt and curiosity about what we do, right? With ourselves or with other people. And can we hold that? And also curiosity around being willing to do the courageous thing by checking in and talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm hoping that even having this conversation today can help us move beyond, okay, September's the month. Right. When we have National Suicide Prevention Awareness. This is when we talk about it and really integrate it into our everyday. And it's a topic that we aren't afraid to bring up with our friends or to be in conversation. One, because of the prevalence, but also just because I think the more we talk about it, the less we're afraid to talk about it. Yeah. 
let's kick off by just talking about the normalcy of it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think it is a something only something I'm feeling. Mm, I'm yeah. alone in this mm-hmm. or, oh, that's only something someone else struggles with. And it's mm-hmm. a small population of people. And then it's like a scary, can I talk about it? Can we engage with it? Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about how normal this concept is for people. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that then brings up a question, right? So then, I, so then we have to talk about pain and struggle mm-hmm. because really at the beginning of this conversation is how comfortable are we with suffering and mm-hmm. discomfort? And, mm-hmm. and I think what's what's where I chuckle a little bit with myself is that is so much of my normal experience. Mm. And I guess I, so I'm curious for you all, have you ever experienced pain or discomfort or stress? Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. So, so then I think, okay, then can we explore together? Do I have the capacity to be understanding with myself Mm -hmm. to feel those things within myself so that I can, be available to check in with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So it really is, you know, when I start for me, when I start to think about suicide, it can carry some stigma, some, mm-hmm. you know, quite a bit of shame. It is severe. I don't want to lessen that or the risk that accompanies it, the the experience or the the thinking, the intent, the motivations around suicide. And I think for me, it starts with suffering. Yeah. You yeah. know, can we explore yeah. what it's like for me myself to suffer and feel pain and what is that experience like for me and then can I be curious with with you? Can I ask mm-hmm. you about right? Like, so so I guess that would I'm kind of curious yeah. if you're if you guys are open like what yeah, so what totally. what does suffering feel like to you? Yeah. What's it look like? What's it smell like? What's yeah. I think many of us grew up feeling pretty like in our households, maybe suffering or pain was a bad thing and it was a minimized thing or something Mm -hmm. that needed to be fixed. Mm, And I think I was a kid with a lot of feelings and Mm. I've struggled with depression my whole life. Didn't label it that as a kid because it was something I learned to minimize really quickly. Mm -hmm. All sorts of pain, not just depression, but grief, loss, Mm. anything like that. It was just kind of like, how can we move on from this Mm -hmm. instead of move forward with it? And how do we process it? And how do we engage with it? Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, a lot of us grew up with the belief that pain should be turned off. We should only feel good things. Mm. Oh, you're in pain. Let's fix it. Let's bring Mm -hmm. in something happy. Mm -hmm. And I think as I've gotten older, I adjusted kind of on the opposite side. I swung (laughs) really hard and then really kind of only embraced pain. And I'm an Enneagram 8 and I love justice. I'm very motivated Mm. by hardship. And so I think then I only began to dwell in just pain. And so I think in my experience, I really swung to the either end of the spectrum and really struggled with duality there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mackenzie, I know pain is a really different experience for you. It's not something you like. Suffering is not something you embrace often. I was kind of laughing because I think I've shared, you know, in different seasons on this podcast, but I really struggle with pain. It's from my family of origin. It's from just the way that I'm wired. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors to that, but I want to find the way out of it as fast as I can. And I'm a professional reframer. I was taught how to do that really early. And if there's something good, let's dwell on that. And it has been a process for me and a really beautiful journey to embrace the hard parts of things, understanding that to minimize and diminish pain is to minimize and diminish the joy in which I love and thrive in the most. Mm -hmm. Because I can't understand the deep joy if I don't understand the deep pain. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a fear of those emotions that sometimes has tripped me up. I've not been able to navigate through hard seasons. I think about one of the hardest seasons of my life. I was really struggling with really intense anxiety that kind of, uh, I remember a therapist saying, depression and anxiety are cousins. And so I said, like, I, I really was okay with labeling anxiety, did not like labeling it depression. Mm-hmm. And she said, these show up a lot of the same ways. Mm-hmm. And if we do not address this, if we do not feel them, mm-hmm then of course you're going to feel depressed. Mm-hmm. Like let's let's talk about what these emotions feel like. And so I think depression for me, even just saying it out loud, feels like this scary other thing in the mm-hmm. room because I'm so much more comfortable identifying with anxiety and fear and a lot of the things that bring up. But I didn't know how to navigate through that. I, I, I was stuck because to navigate through pain was one of like, it was so scary. 
Yeah. It's safer just to sit in the stuckness than to navigate and to confront the darkness and the pain. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the last mm-hmm. couple of years, I think I walked through a lot of grief and, and then we walked, I had a season of a lot of grief and I chose like, Hey, I'm putting a stake in the ground. And I told my therapist, like, I want to feel this. I want mm-hmm. to explore it, know every depth of it and understand it because what I'm grieving deserves that. Mm, And that was like a counterintuitive action for Mm -hmm. me. And I think it prepared me to walk into what we all have been in and I've struggled to continue to walk through. But the last three years of so much grief that I was even just vaguely familiar with suffering in in a more intimate way help me do that. So I don't know if I'm, if that is all making sense, but yeah, that's kind of what my lived experience with suffering has been like in the last three years is just to evolving process while simultaneously like I want to embrace you and push you as far away as I can yeah I don't know for y'all but when you were speaking I think I resonate with some of that and what I was saying before about how I kind of swung to the opposite side of embracing grief and pain now Mm -hmm. I realized as you said that I was like oh I've really embraced that silently to myself like I'm very comfortable internally being like this is hard this is a lot. This is overwhelming. It's okay that this is hard. But I still really struggle with telling that to other people. Even when yeah. we sat down and you were like, hey, how are you doing? And mm-hmm. I had to pause because I was like, I don't want to just answer I'm doing good because I'm actually pretty overwhelmed right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And so I think that's – it's a great first step of saying mm-hmm. like internally, am I being real with myself? Mm-hmm. Can I be honest with myself about how I'm doing? Am I okay with pain? But externally, it's still pretty difficult to invite other people into that. And I think that's – a really big part of this conversation around suicidality is, yeah, recognizing how to recognize your own emotions, when to invite other people, how to do it, and how is that safe? How do we find the right resources, people, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. Because not everyone's safe for that information. Mm -hmm. I can think about, you know, times in my life where I've let people in on the hard parts of my story, and it's not safe, and I feel shame for having expressed that I'm not doing well. We, as a society, when we ask, how are you? We expect someone to say fine or good. Yeah. We're uncomfortable when someone says, like you were saying, you know, like, I'm really actually not doing good today. And so I love for you to speak in that, like, how do we find those safe people? Yeah. What does that look like? And how do we keep showing up? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'd love to answer that. I just, though, first want to. I love having a therapist on here because I realized immediately <laughs> she like turned it around on us and asked us like, what does suffering feel like? For yeah. you? <laughs> like well, and I, and I think honestly, I, and this is, this is going to answer your question, yeah. but what's so beautiful is how you both just walked each of us into a resource mm. because you're trying, you tried something, yeah. you tried something mm. different. Mm-hmm. You reached out and you said, no, okay, this maybe or this didn't, maybe didn't work for me. And I, what I know is, that I have to go through it. And so I want to feel, can you help me feel through this? Right. And what you shared so beautifully is, and it is so much what we do, right? Mm -hmm. Like we jump into the, the sort of all or nothing, the the extremes of of our experience, but you tried something different, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you know, you were really familiar. We grew up really familiar with this positive um, repressed emotional experience. And, and so let me then get into the murk right. and mire of <laughs> the injustice and the pain right. and the and in doing that there was movement right yeah. there was there was movement and likely people right yeah. that also were introduced or intersected both of you in your process mm-hmm. and I love Hannah I love what you just said about you know we often don't talk about the difference between the internal and external experience mm-hmm. and. For a lot of us, I'm a more of an external processor. So for me, oftentimes I realize that I am struggling or in pain or suffering as it is coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here we are. Right. But that is not everyone else's excuse. Some folks get there in much more of an internal way. And yeah. And I think I think if I would just say anything, I'm just I just appreciate you both sharing mm. from your perspectives and even just more of your present experience of what that feels like. Yeah. Now, because I cause, because I think truly, in order for us to get into a space where we can support ourselves and others, mm-hmm. it's important that we understand for us the landscape of pain yeah. and suffering. Because what it's going to help us then understand is what comes up for us. And I think mm-hmm. when we talk about resources for for ourselves or others that might be, and I, I want to keep coming back to ourselves yeah, because I think it is such a myth 
that we think that suicide is going to affect the other Mm -hmm. or is only for extreme circumstances. You know, I think right now in my experience, and this is not a stat and I am not an expert, so let me just name those things right now. But I would say in one in every two clients that I work with, it is a current and present symptom, Mm -hmm. some sort of suicidal ideation. I think we tend to pay attention to acting on the Mm -hmm. uh, ideation But I think there are so many people who are struggling with suicide ideation, with Mm -hmm. the thought, with the despair that you've been talking Mm -hmm. about, with the pain and the suffering, and doing that Mm -hmm. quietly, downplaying it, dismissing Mm -hmm. it when someone asks how we are. So we we really want to pay attention to the acting and the attempts, Mm -hmm. and that's really important, but also how many people are kind of just sitting in that ideation. Yeah. I don't know if this is real, so go with me here because this is just my experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's real to – Disclaim that. It's experience. It's real. But I think for me, so suicidality is something that I struggle with and have for the last, specifically the last couple of years. And I think for me, the first time I Mm. recognized that, I was so overwhelmed because I was Mm. like, not me. Like, I know I deal with depression. I know I'm anxious. Isn't everybody? But I know better. I work in mental health. I have Mm -hmm. all of this. Not me. Like, is this real? Am I making Mm -hmm. this up? Like, is this just a fleeting thought? Like, I think I was so overwhelmed and scared by that experience within my body because I thought I was safe. And so then to have an experience where I felt unsafe was really overwhelming. Mm. I'm not sure if that was a feeling I had been carrying for a really long time. And I just... Mm didn't, I repressed it so much, I didn't know how to recognize it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably more real than I just started feeling this a couple of years ago. It's just, I didn't know how to access my feelings. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to access my emotions. So I just shut it off. So of course that thought wasn't popping into my brain because I was so out of touch mm-hmm. with myself and my body and my safety. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering in the sake of normalizing it, like not how we often think of the other. It's it could be ever present with many of us. Yeah. But we don't pause enough to give it space or allow it to live because we're scared of it. Yeah. yeah. I just honor, I honor your experience and your story so much and and just the courage, yeah, to be open. It is scary. It's scary because there is risk involved. And I think we often in response, it, it would be easy for me to go right now in this moment did someone take you to the hospital? Right. Or, right. You know, what did, what was, what was your triage team like? Mm -hmm. Or instead of sitting with you in this moment and going, gosh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that bit of your experience with me. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about what it was like. Yeah. And I think, I think that it was a barrier to why I felt like, can I share? Like, Mm -hmm. thankfully I am very resourced and have amazing people that I did reach out pretty quickly, like the day, the day of, because I was like, I know I need to say it to someone outside of me. I know I need help or support. But I think for many of us, we think, I don't want someone to react like, oh no, you're so fragile or oh no, you're, mm-hmm. I'm so, I'm so scared. Because I thought like, I think when I've thought feelings of despair before, I've thought like, this is A, too much for someone to hold. B, it's too much for me to hold them holding me. Like, Mm. that sounds exhausting. I'm already exhausted. I don't want to have to worry about my friend because they're worried about me. Like, And so I think there's a lot of barriers that we put in our own way in order to ask for help. And a lot of fears around like, okay, if I do share it with someone, are they going to think I'm like – if, if I feel like semi-stable within myself, I wasn't going to act on it mm-hmm. at that point. It was right. just thoughts in my brain. So I was like, I don't want them to act on it. Like, are they going to put me in a hospital? Yeah. Are they going to share it with somebody that I don't want them to share it with? Are yeah. they too scared? Is this too mm-hmm. big, basically? Yeah. And that was the kind of narrative around my entire life was like, are these emotions too big? And that's like what I've had to work through is like, my emotions aren't too big. It's okay to... Mm. for them to exist within me and for me to share them with other people. And if I do share with them with other people, it's not scary. It's not bad. And they're not all going to run away. And that was like a very scary thing to process through when holding something that feels so big, but is actually so normal. Yeah. Well, and I think what I love, and this is, if we, if we do anything, I hope that we can model this or mirror this for each other, Mm -hmm. just woman to woman is that, your emotions aren't too big that yeah. I can stay with you right here in the story. And I want you to tell me about it. Yeah. yeah. And I also, uh, woman to woman, 
And then, and then if I put my mental health hat on, I would say to you or to you or to myself, which I do often, hey, when you do feel like this is too much, there are people who are trained right. that can hold it. Right. Yeah. There are resources. You're right. It might not be. It right. might scare your partner or your right. mom or your kids or your boss at work who right. is a safe person for you or your coach or your teammates. And there are resources. And, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, I certainly would love to to speak into some of those, you know, and there, and I like to say resources, I look at resources to, to especially around suicide um, because of the risk involved. And I, I appreciate, Hannah, that you spoke into the fact that you were having, it sounds like thoughts and ideation. Right. Um, but no plan, no intent. Yeah. And I think being able to be that concrete and explicit mm. in a conversation is also helpful because yeah. that is going to inform you right. and other people about how we can support you best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, again, un- with understanding that I can step, I can hold this hard and scary thing with you. I can right. be here with you yeah. in it. And so there's a spectrum of resource for someone. Is this a good time to talk about sure. that? Yeah, is I that? think so. Okay. When I think about resources for suicidality and I want to talk about it in this way it's a symptom it's a it's a response right it's our Mm -hmm. body's way of saying help help right alert alert something something's not right and oftentimes it it, it's in response to something else and I think you know all of us we could get into literally any story and see that that is right is the case it can be connected Mm -hmm. to a neurochemical uh, brain imbalance. It can be connected to a traumatic event. It can mm-hmm. be connected to stress mm-hmm. or a transition. I mean, it is a symptom and it is a response. And if we look at suicide for the sake of the conversation around resources, like it's some sort of stress or st- a distressing circumstance, there are going to be a spectrum of resources. Right. I think similar in this conversation, right? I think a common myth is that when we hear somebody share about experiencing this sort of symptom or the sort of response, the immediate reaction is we need to get them hospitalized. Right. We need to keep them alive. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yes. Pl- absolutely, right? It, it. But what's happening, again, if we're paying attention to ourselves, is that it just then became we may be having an experience of fear, right? Mm -hmm. I'm scared that you might make a choice now. Can I trust you, right? These are really common experiences I think that we have when we sit down with a loved one or somebody that we care about who's having the experience. Hence why having a good spectrum of resources is helpful. Right. When I'm in that situation, I am not going to be, I'm not going to do a good job of assessing you. I might not be trained even to assess you. Yeah, it's not your job. It's... Your job to connect someone or yes, to walk alongside them. Abs- yeah. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And I'm thankful that there are resources. And I do also want to name these resources are, they are free. Right. They are not, they are, and that's important because I think in this conversation, yeah. I would say, you know, we have access to certain resources that maybe other yeah. people don't. And there are folks that are going to have way more access than right. we would have. Right. But um, suicide. Yes. Attacks us all. It's it not, is a, right. It's a human it experience. Pick a socioeconomic yes. status. Yeah. So when I when I name some of these resources, so I think, I mean, of course, you know, I think we start with ourselves. What resources mm-hmm. are within? Can I get grounded? Mm-hmm. Do I have a safe place mm-hmm. internally or externally? Mm-hmm. Um, can I find it using visualization or meditation? Can I get oriented to the present moment? Right. Mm-hmm. Our feelings often can create some sort of dissociative state. Yeah. So can I find, can I come back to the present moment? Mm -hmm. And I think we, we can quickly determine what kind of resource we can be to ourselves. And I would also say it's okay if, if we realize very quickly, we can't Mm -hmm. be great news. There is still help. Yeah. But I think that it is often assumed that someone is in high risk when information is shared about someone having an experience, Mm -hmm. um, suicidal ideation, thoughts of wanting to harm themselves, wanting to escape. It can be very easy that we would jump into an extreme reaction. And oftentimes 
you know, there, like I said, there is a spectrum. And so understanding that I think can be helpful. And I hope the more we normalize the conversation, the spectrum grows. Because I think for so long, for so many people, it did get to a point of really heightened thoughts or intent. And that's Mm -hmm. the only time. And that's like when I can ask for help is when I'm at my last bit of like whatever. And I think... Thankfully, I'm seeing a trend towards asking for help sooner, whether with people, with yourself, with a therapist, with resources. And I hope that as we begin to normal, we're not beginning, as we carry on normalizing this Mm -hmm. conversation, that the first green flag you have around this, you can just say it out loud to somebody. Yes. Yeah. Tell me what it's like for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think… I think being able to have conversations, checking in, becoming a, re- a good resource for ourselves. So this is my pl- this is definitely my plug for finding a way to strengthen your own sense of self. Start the journey for yourself on, uh, you know, I love what you shared, Hannah. Like most of us are learners in our own emotional worlds, mm-hmm. right? Regardless of our family of origin, mm-hmm. we are our own grown adults. So we are learning how to navigate our feeling world. Spend time, spend energy, invest in that process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is going to be a massive resource for you Mm -hmm. when it comes to the conversation of suffering and pain. Mm -hmm. So I would say start there. And then I think, you know, again, as we look at our resource spectrum or our tool belt of resources, I would say there are warmer. It's funny, I'm going to use the word warm and then one of them is called warm line. But there are warmer resources. And then I'm going to say hot. A hot resource would be like the ripcord. Like when I know something's not right and I am, I'm struggling to come back into the present moment Mm -hmm. um, or I am at the extent of feeling overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I have a plan in place. I am telling people I'm writing a letter with the intent of ending my life then you would, those are the moments where you want to know what the rip cords are. Mm-hmm. When you're skydiving, you know, you're prepped, right? For like, hey, when you get up there, this is the cord to pull the parachute out. But if that one doesn't work, then there's another, then right. there's a third. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes I look at our emotional process of understanding for us what suffering feels like, what distress feels like, what pain feels like. It's important to to know what warm resources, like what is in the tool belt in terms of not maybe not in the same emergency yeah urgent. not an emergency urgent thank you risk more acute care that's yes, the right word that's what i would say yeah and then what in the and and here's what can get tricky i love that you just shared that not everyone's going to know the no, beautiful thing right. is you can you can pull any of these resources out of your resource tool belt at any time mm-hmm. and and, right. Asking and, for help is not a mistake ever you're doing it right it's never beautifully said hannah it's never right. a mistake But I think it is important to be really clear that, you know, if you do take yourself to the hospital, they are going to assess you and you are going to get acute care. Likely they're, they're going to want to keep you Mm -hmm. for 24 hours, could be up to 72 hours or a couple of days, depending on their assessment. They are a trained team. They are brilliant. They want to keep you safe. That is their goal and assess you in terms of what other resources you might Mm -hmm. need. Not a mistake, but just be aware that that is going to be one of our more acute resources that we have. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Warmline. Warmline is incredible resource. Warmline.org is an incredible resource. It's essentially peer-led support over the phone. And you can, gosh, if you go to Warmline.org, they have it separated, I think, the last time I looked by state. But even by, like, if you are part of the LGBTQ plus community, Mm. And you would like an ally and support around your suicide experience. We have support for our Black and Brown brothers and sisters that are experiencing um, symptoms. We have support if you're in the trans community mm. um, and you want to speak directly with an ally. It's inc- it is incredible. It is peer-led. I would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to carry the same level of acuteness and... And they are a resource. So if should your symptomology increase or intensify, they are going to be able to help you into a next step. Yeah. So Warmline is another resource I love. I also love it because essentially what it's doing is exactly what we're doing here. Yeah. yeah. It's bringing somebody alongside of you to go, hey, tell me about what it's like. Hey there, friends. Throughout this episode, we mentioned several resources that might come alongside you or someone you love in your journey. But I wanted to interject and explicitly call out a few 
especially the three I mentioned at the beginning, and share that they can also be found in our show notes for today's episode. As we think about a spectrum of resources, we'd encourage you to look at to Write Love on Her Arms database of resources to help you find free, low cost, and resources in your area. Warmline.org, where you can connect with a peer and share what you're experiencing, or 988, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline that will offer you immediate help and resources to find safety. Your life matters, you matter, and we're so grateful you're here. And I think it's really beautiful because I think one of the biggest barriers for a lot of people who sit in this ideation is like, I don't have safe people to tell. Mm -hmm. And so here are safe people who are going Mm -hmm. to meet you as an objective observer and enter into your pain with you. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think oftentimes what these, what these tools or what these resources are going to help you with is first Mm -hmm. to get, is to get stabilized depending Mm -hmm. on the level of risk that's, Mm -hmm. that's presented. Yeah. But then I think they're also going to be a support to help you past that, right? So Warmline might get you connected with a therapist in your area or Mm. again, plug for therapy. And then I'm going to, I'm going to caveat this by saying it's not the only resource, Mm -hmm. right? There are so many other resources, process groups, 12-step groups, support groups, mother's groups, groups. I mean, there, if you go to your like community or um, city like webpage, Generally, on like a government webpage, they'll put all of the different support groups or community groups that are on there. Mm-hmm. Your resource doesn't have to just be a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many different places that you can meet people that that can offer support. I think sometimes we don't talk about that enough. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite resources and around this topic in particular is to write love on her arms, but they have Ooh. a really immense database mm-hmm. of free resources, low cost resources you know, therapists, like mm-hmm. kind of that whole gamut of support. Mm-hmm. And some of the things are not things I would have thought of, mm. but just ways that they can plug you in yeah. and be a support. And so I love that. And the other thing that I was thinking of is I like to take moments to say this because it's something that was revolutionary in my journey. Mm. And someone saying, hey, this worked for me. Okay. This might work for you. Like you were saying, you tried something. Yeah. I have been resistant to medication for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I'm a well-resourced person. I do therapy a lot. Mm-hmm. I have been in, you know, in and out of therapy and mm-hmm. uh, addressing my anxiety for over a decade. Mm-hmm. But I went on anxiety medication this year, and it absolutely changed my life yeah. because of this, like, this thing that I was functioning in that I thought was just my normal. Mm-hmm. I was able to create some space and to say, oh, I don't have to feel this way 100% of the time. Yeah, There is chemical reasons to this. And so yeah. I think bringing into this conversation, medication may be one of the tools you pull out for a season, yep. for a lifetime, yep. or you know, just something else to try. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Another another plug take your meds yeah get, <laughs> yeah and and i this that's i appreciate you looping me back to this mm-hmm. but um generally too in the conversation just if we flip the script and said instead of you guys sitting down and and us talking about our suffering if we were like oh i have a hangnail on my toe or i have this piece of wood in my toe right right like it is driving me bene- like it is hurting tears are streaming down my face because i have this huge splinter in my toe yeah likely you're going to say like oh my gosh yeah, is it, does it hurt when you walk? Tell me about it. How can I have, right. You might say like, okay, we probably should go and get some, some other outside help, right? I'm not a expert on removing wood from a toe or, (laughs) so let's go see a doctor. Let's get a, you know, and then let's maybe find out how we need to wrap it or, and then you might need to not walk downstairs. I mean, if you think about all the ways that we rush support in for something that's physical, right? Mm -hmm the conversation around medication, right, is so nuanced, right? We would never, if somebody was like, take the ibuprofen for your toe. I can't get it fast enough, right? Yeah. But hey, there's their Lexapro or Zoloft or Wellbutrin or this could really help you. There is such, right, such a stigma around it. So and it kudos took a to you for- saying, hey, this has worked really well for me in different seasons. I, I love was like, that. Oh, if this has worked for this person, then maybe it'll work for me. Yeah, you know? I love that. Mm-hmm. So. Good on you, friends, for talking about it. Yeah, I think 
it's a tool. I think people think of taking care of mental health as one thing, going to therapy often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting as a mental health company or an emotional health company, we provide therapeutic experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I think people would think that we're only advocating for that all the time. And it, yeah. it's awesome. It's a great resource. It completely changed my life going to a program. It is a great, yeah. great tool. I, I wish I could get everyone on our campus experiencing a program. Yeah. The reality is that's not attainable for a lot of people. Sure. And we do have these other resources like you're mentioning of warm lines and hotlines and med- medication. Yeah. But, and we also have things like community. Mm-hmm. And one of the most transformative tools that we see at Onsite is community, both yeah. in our workshop experiences, people doing group workshops, and then also at Milestones. Oftentimes we hear that that is where so much of the healing takes place. And I think we've talked a lot about kind of what to do Maybe if you don't have safe people or if you don't know the first step and and that's really helpful. What does it look like if we have, if we can identify Mm -hmm. some safe people in our lives, Mm -hmm. what does it look like to invite them into this process? Because I do think community is a huge part of finding support in this Mm -hmm. and making you not feel so alone. Mm -hmm. I know for me, the first person I reached out to was a friend and she thankfully has resources and understands the topic enough to Mm -hmm. be able to ask, okay, are you okay right now? Are you Mm -hmm. safe? And I said, yes. And then she says, okay, then let's make a plan. When can you tell your therapist? Mm -hmm. When can you tell your roommate? And she didn't push me, but it was like a couple weeks until I was comfortable telling Mm -hmm. my roommate Mm -hmm. or someone else in my life. But to have someone else in it with me, then it wasn't so scary to go it alone. Mm -hmm. And so if we can identify a couple safe people, how do we start? You just give a great example there. So the two things, okay, so the two ways I like to look at starting the conversation One is that I think we have to be willing to, right? Like vulnerability begets vulnerability, Mm -hmm. right? And the hope, again, in being vulnerable is that you're going to create safety for someone else to check in. I think if we have identified that a person's safe, I do think the more concrete that we can talk about the topic specifically related to suicide, you know, just being able to say like, hey, have you thought about killing yourself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think I want to be really clear when I talk about this because I think we can get floppy or flimsy with how we talk about it. Right. So I think the more we, yeah, like, yeah. hey, what would you hesitate telling me? Like, I'd say this a lot to folks. Would you feel comfortable telling me if you were considering ending yeah. your life or wanting, mm. wanting an escape? Yeah. Would you, you know, would you or would you hesitate? Yeah. Would you hesitate telling people? I think that is so powerful to invite that. I think a lot of us kind of grew up with the belief that like, if you talk about it, you're going to plant the idea in someone's brain. And it's like, no, I'm already thinking it. But it takes away the power. For me, just like the whole purpose of why I tell someone in the beginning of my process was I was like, I don't want this to have power over me. It's not something I want. I do not want to end my life, but that's what my body and my brain are telling me. And so... I found by the time I got enough courage to tell my roommate that Mm -hmm. I was feeling this way, I think I started the conversation by saying like, hey, I want to talk to you about something that's really uncomfortable for me Mm -hmm. to talk about. Like, are you down to listen? Mm -hmm. Because I was like, I know I'm going to struggle. I know I'm going to cry like Mm -hmm. through this. It's scary. And I, I know with her, she's such a great support support system for me, but it's a scary topic for her too. It was very unknown for her. It's not yep. something she knew how to support someone in. She's not a mental health person. She just is a person that loves me. Mm-hmm. And so I knew she didn't like check back in a week later. And that's not on her. She doesn't know how. She thinks it's awkward. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know when to bring it up. And so I had to go back two weeks later and say, hey, I need you to ask me if I want to kill myself. Because I need to, like, take away the power. I need to name what it is. And inviting someone to say, "You, I want you to do this. Will you please do this? Mm -hmm. And it's not on her. her, My mental health is not on her. But I've invited her as a friend to say, can you check in with these words? Because this is what I need to talk about it, not in a shameful way. You gave her language and said, like, hey, please ask me this hard question. Yeah. And it drastically changed how I felt supported, both Mm -hmm. with her and with a partner and with uh, my therapist. Like, being able to talk about it and not skid around it. Right. It was just like, oh, so how are you feeling right now? Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm feeling a lot of things. (laughs) I'm feeling, like, tired or I'm feeling whatever. And that's not what I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how are you feeling around this mm-hmm. particular topic? Yeah, how are you feeling about yeah, this? Yeah, the more, and I love love that you shared that. Also, kudos, kudos again for just being brave and really leaning into what you needed in that moment from your support people. Yeah. But that's exactly it. The more concrete, mm-hmm. the more um, uncomfortable we can get with, hey, tell me, have you had any of those thoughts this week yeah. or today? 
Now, the other thing too, and I'd be curious to ask you in your experience, you've maybe alluded to it a bit, but oftentimes for people that are experiencing the symptom, it's not the only thing they're experiencing, mm. right? Mm-hmm. It, it can be a big part of their emotional experience, yeah. but it's often not the only thing. There's often doubt there. There's often, there could be joy. There could be mm. happiness. There could be anxiety. There could be overwhelm. It's often yeah. not the only experience. Yeah. And so I think also just having understanding around that too mm-hmm. can create a bit more, maybe my hope is that it would help people to feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. This doesn't have to be the only thing that you're talking to, right. to people about, well, right? right? It's yeah. not yeah. the only, uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to ask you if you're having any, if you, if you've wanted to escape at all this yeah. week. And can also I can like, answer, actually, no, I'm doing really great. Or yes, I am. And also, yeah, I'm feeling stressed about work or something too. Like, or I'm feeling really excited about how things are going with this person or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, how I really am comfortable in extremes. Mm -hmm. And there's so much goodness that lies in the duality and in the non-extremes. And the the non-extremes I'm really uncomfortable with. Like just the, I think that's what actually kind of arose a lot of my suicidal thoughts in the beginning because it was like I wasn't in an extreme season. I had like managed a lot of my medicators. I wasn't overly excited about life. I wasn't overly depressed about life. I was just in this kind of blah, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. Like I'm in this in-between space and the duality of good, bad, nothing how do we exist in all of that was a really big question for me, which mm. prompted a lot of weird feelings for yeah, me and overwhelming so feelings for me. But yeah, I think inviting people into it not being your identity. This is not, I'm not just a person who has suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I also don't just have to be a person that has it all together. Mm-hmm. Like we get to be these complex whole humans. beings yes. yeah, that have complex needs, complex fears, hopes, desires, mm-hmm. all of it. And that doesn't define us. That's exa- And that's why, that's why I t- often, it, it, it's a symptom, right? Mm-hmm. It's a symptom like, f- yeah, feeling, experiencing despair, anxiety. You know, there's a whole slew of symptoms that yeah. we, we can experience um, in related to our emotional worlds. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is, right? It absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, it's not your identity. And I don't want to minimize people that feel it all the time. Like Certainly. there is definitely a wide spectrum yeah. of, despair or of sorrow and hurt. And for some people, it really is all-encompassing a lot. And I thankfully can kind of live in the duality of both a little bit, partially because of the severity of my thoughts Mm -hmm. and also partially because of the resources I tap into. Mm -hmm. And that's a choice to tap into those things, I think. But like, I am on medication. I do choose to financially invest in a therapist every week. Like, Mm -hmm. there are all these things that are helping me find the Mm in-between when moments would have felt otherwise extreme. Yeah. and But I don't want to minimize at all that a lot of people do feel extreme or that it it is a little bit more all-encompassing for a lot of people too. Absolutely. And I think if, if you are that person... Where it is your norm, right? You, you're that is that is occupying the majority of your brain mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. Then a resource like nine eight eight is for you, right? Um, you want you want you want to have people that can help you. Feel just like kind of be explicit. We the number just changed. Like they just opened up a whole new hotline. Yes, for nine nine eight, which is for people who are really really struggling with suicide yep. ideation, suicidal thoughts, suicide actions, plans. Right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. So nine nine eight really is. Um, it, it can be a resource for anyone. So I just mm-hmm. want to yeah. be, be clear um, that if if you are concerned or experiencing suicidal thoughts, um, intent, plan, action, you can certainly use 988. And it is a resource that's going to get you connected to a crisis team that will assess you and likely will want to get you to uh, some sort of a medical. So more on that like spectrum of if we're looking at the acuity or the needs no, from I have these thoughts to I have a plan. It's kind of more on that. And I'm going to do it. Yep, that's exactly right. There's um, follow-up and accountability a little bit there, which is really helpful to know if you need help and mm-hmm. also helpful to know. So Similar to if I call 911 with a complaint about someone breaking into my house and then I s- say, no, never mind. They're still going to probably follow up and come ex- and check in on my sense. house. That's yes. exactly right. That's so exactly there's right. there's an accountability factor to 988 in order to keep us safe. That's, That's exactly right. Great way to put that. Hannah. And yeah, and and I think for loved ones too to know that if somebody does come to you and share that they're struggling and you do call 998, that's exactly right. You're going to get a medical team. They are going to assess and likely there is going to be a, the highest level of care. 
And I say that in contrast to warm line, whereas warm line is going to be more of a supportive, compassionate resource that's going to be listening yeah. to your okay. experience. You need someone, like I needed someone, and I thankfully had a friend at that moment, but someone who could say, okay, what's next? How are we going to resource you next? Yeah, that's exactly right. And warm line, and, and certainly warm line, the, the, fo- the peer-led folks that are there are trained to get you connected to a higher level of right. care if you would need it. I think, though, what and I, what I love about this conversation is oftentimes we don't need the highest level of care. Yeah. And when we do, it's good to know that it's there and it is a resource that anyone can use. Yeah. I think in all circumstances, not just around suicidality, but when it's very loving for us to tell people what we need and have an understanding of our own needs and how we meet them first. But it's very helpful for me mm-hmm. as a friend to say, like, hey, this would be really great. Mm-hmm. I'd love, I, I miss, I'm feeling disconnected. I'd love to get some time with you. Mm-hmm. That's very loving to yeah. tell to help yeah. people love know you, how know how to show up for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And again, I mean, I think part of understanding our emotional worlds and understanding what pain feels like to us, what we do with suffering and discomfort, is oftentimes connected to learning about our needs. Yeah. Mm. So I kind of want to, as we're rounding out this conversation, I want to make sure we touch on the person who's showing up for that person. Mm-hmm. You know, what are some of the things that we can do well? And what I'm hearing from this conversation is just to meet them with curiosity. I think there's a gratitude piece of saying, hey, thanks for trusting me. I like want to be a safe place for you. You know, there's gratitude. And then you talked a lot about like, tell me what that feels like. Just getting curious is mm-hmm. asking the questions. And I know in my own life, especially around this topic, like getting empathy and understanding of my own internal world has helped me show up better for people. And yeah. one of the books that I read that I didn't enter into it thinking like, I want to be a better advocate and show up for people who are struggling with suicidality. But was a result of this was um, reading Scott Erickson's book, Say Yes, mm-hmm. because he talks about so much of this conversation for him personally was just the desire to get out of his current existence mm-hmm. and understanding like it was the part of, like we don't have to die by suicidality to kill off parts of ourselves. Yeah, And so, so much of this was just like, so it, it created a lot of empathy in me of understanding people who struggle with this, but also understanding what are the parts of my own life where I don't want to be in my existence. And I, and I understand how we could get there. I understand how I have been in despair moments where I have felt these feelings Mm -hmm. and not put this label on it. Mm. And so I think having empathy for people, but I think knowing your boundaries, knowing like you aren't there to fix people that people aren't really to be fixed in general. Something I love that Miles says is that people aren't problems to be solved, but people to be engaged. And I think when someone comes to us sharing something big and heavy, like our tendency is to want to be like, how do I fix it? Yeah. And I think instead of that, just coming alongside someone Mm -hmm. and say, how can I support you? How can I help you find a resource? Can I sit down with you and we can go together? We can find a therapist together. We can just, I think the togetherness is what people need more than a fixing all together. I think people just need a friend. Let's look together. Let's find resources. I think the resourcing together is really powerful. But I think knowing your limits, that you're not a savior, no. you're not there to take away all pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I think knowing your limits and doing your own work is probably the most important <laughs> yeah. thing for friends that want to support people. Mm-hmm. I know many people that have family members that they want to support yeah. through this. I think the best thing we can do for other people is show up for ourselves, know our boundaries, know where we can step in, where we need support. And also yeah. with our own internal world. And I love like one of the examples that I've heard is that for our emotional capacity, we don't give it the same weight as we would like our physical capacity. Yeah. Or if someone came to me and said, hey, I need a dollar right now. And I was like, I don't have a dollar in my pocket. I don't have a dollar to give you. But if someone comes to me and says, I need emotional support, or I need you to whatever, I have such a tendency to say, like, let me give you something I don't have. I, if you don't have a dollar, you can't give a dollar. Mm-hmm. If I don't have the emotional capacity, I literally can't give it to you. But so often we think that we can. Yeah. We just we try to give from nothing. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. The invitation around health and wellness mm-hmm. is just so much bigger than than what's happening physically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's totally it's connected, right? Absolutely. But there is a real invitation that we that we are prioritizing our own health and wellness in order to be a support to others. And I would just add to what you both shared, it's okay if you're scared. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to say that, right? If yeah. I mean I had a very dear friend come to me 
in an attempt. Mm-hmm. And I am a licensed therapist. Right. And I could hardly stay in my body. Yeah. It was so scary for me. Yeah. And I said, I am terrified mm-hmm. right now. And that was okay. Yeah. It was okay for me to say yeah. that. That didn't, she, in fact, if anything, she probably was too. She exactly. And she came toward me even more. Mm-hmm. Here's what's happening for me. I didn't, here's where I'm at. Here's who I'm telling. Here's what's happening for me right now. It it created an an opening for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. to be connected. She didn't need me to be a therapist in that. My well, right. not her therapist. She's a dear friend. She needed me to be a human seeing her in yeah. that moment. So it's okay for us. To be scared right. in these conversations, to say, say I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to navigate this. It but is I'm here. Yes, my presence is, is here. That's <laughs> right. It is okay for us to not be experts, right? Like I in said, in fact, we should probably not be. That's exactly we need to stay right. in our lane and seek expert help when needed. Yeah. That's but don't exactly, try to be an expert. That's exactly right. And there are resources, and there were for us. And even you, you quote unquote are an expert for other people, <laughs> sure. but that wasn't your role for that moment. No, your oh, role no. there was a friend. Yeah, and so even even knowing within yourself of like. I am not an expert today. I am a friend who's scared for my friend. That's exactly right. And and in some ways it helped in that I knew my limit in that moment and that I needed to get help yeah. for both of us, yeah. really. Yeah. And I think the other thing I would say is I am talking with clients often about their pain and discomfort. And mm-hmm. this is a very common symptom. It is rare. It is so rare that they don't know what they need to do. Mm. nine times out of 10, they know, you Mm -hmm. know what you need Mm -hmm. or need to do next, Mm -hmm. right? And I think in crisis, it can be easy for us to think that someone needs rescuing Mm -hmm. or somebody needs a most severe intervention or resource. Mm -hmm. And with my dear friend that came to me, you know, my response was, I am frozen in this moment with you. What is it that you need for you? What is your next? What do? You, what's your next step? Well, I think what you have you to sh- choose your own next step too. Like if you're choosing it, if your friend, resource, yep. whoever is choosing a next step for you, mm-hmm. it can be a helpful suggestion. Sure. a lot of times, but we individuals mm-hmm. actively have to choose. We have to have agency over our next step, yeah. or else it's not going to matter. Yeah, and but I think even in like the severe case, like she's a, she was in the process of attempting Mm -hmm. so that and if I put my clinical hat on that's where we would intervene right and say let's get you safe let's get you now into a care where you're and she knew in crisis and that's exactly right but I think what was so surprising to me in that moment is that she knew that yeah she and she could invite that that's exactly right and it and, and to your point so much powerful for her to go. Yeah. I am telling you this because I know that I need mm. I need care. I need I to get somewhere to where this. someone yeah. can Will help, you help me be me safe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in that moment then she made a choice for herself to reach out. And again, we talk a lot. You mentioned the safety plan. When it comes down to pain and discomfort, we do know ourselves best. Yeah. yeah. And oftentimes we just get to turn down maybe our yeah, internal yeah. Mm-hmm. knowingness, intuition gets turned down. Um, we can't hear ourselves as like, and that can happen from stress and mm-hmm. everything, all the other things that we're juggling in life. Oh, right? loud. Yes. And so what a beautiful moment to be in somebody's pain with them mm-hmm. and go, okay, I see you. And this is scary for me. Yeah. Let me, how, how can I help you turn, turn up you up dial, a bit? Yeah. So that you can hear you. Yeah. What What do you need? What for you right now is your next step? Mm-hmm. And I think it was okay for me to ask that. Yeah. Even in my fear. So yeah. anyways, I think I just would add those two things. Yeah. Oftentimes, people do know what they need, mm-hmm. even in crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, they might just be turned down a bit. And, yeah. and it's still okay for us to show up yeah. with our big feeling, big yeah. fear, as long as we're being authentic, right? I yeah. think that that can yeah. be, there's room for that too. I think when it comes to listening to our needs, like my encouragement would just be like, listen and do it. If it doesn't work, listen again. Like, yeah, I think try something, d- right. In moments of not as extreme crisis where I've had suicidal thoughts, I've been like, I've when told my partner, like, hey, I'm thinking this and then help you, what do you need? And if I actually tune into my body for a second, I'm like, 
I need to go for a walk. And I, I can't tell you how many times this year I've walked our driveway and that's it because walking the neighborhood feels overwhelming. It's like, I'm gonna walk my driveway because I know I'm gonna get in my body. I know mm-hmm. that's what it's gonna help me. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I need something else after that. It's okay if my needs change. It's okay if a next step or a next resource mm-hmm. is gonna feel different. But we really do know what we need most of the time, mm-hmm. even if it's just an immediate right now. And it, it sometimes that feels silly to think like, Oh, well, walking really helped. Mm-hmm. It's like, but my body told me to do it. Yep. So I'm yeah. going to go do it. Yes. And and I love that you shared that, Hannah, because it, in our work, right, if I am a set, let's say I put on my assessment hat, the first questions I'm asking are, when did you last eat? How much sleep did you most recently get? And how much water have you drank? Mm. So just those three components right. are contributing hugely to our emotional mm-hmm. sleep, capacity. Sleep, water, and food. Nutrition. Yeah. Hands down. I mean, and honestly, I would say if I had to prioritize one and come at me therapists that are listening, because I'd be curious to hear what, and doctors and, but I would say sleep Mm. hands down is going to be one of our biggest indicators on emotional capacity. And so, and again, for a lot of people, that is a symptom of, of stress and trauma is that we, we can lose sleep. Yeah. Um, I think so. I, I love that. I love the like, yeah, just get your body moving. Yeah. What, I need a glass of water. Yeah. I, I need to eat you something. Take care of yourself. It's yes. hard to take care of yourself when you are in a season like that. I don't take care of myself when I'm depressed. Well, I think that's why we need to turn up that dial mm-hmm. more often all the time. And that's something yeah. I'm literally personally working on in therapy right now mm-hmm. is I, I've learned to turn up the dial on grief, on sadness, on yeah. depression, on suicide. I've I've been become more attuned with that about what do I need? Yeah. How am I feeling? And I realize it still takes a ton of intention to notice good ones. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to turn up the dial on noticing good things right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I really like I'm holding my partner's hand. That's actually bringing me a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm cooking. And I actually really love the smells. The smells are reminding me of this. And so turning up the dial is a universal thing for emotions mm-hmm. because we know if we shut off one emotion, we're shutting off all, if we can't access some emotions, mm-hmm. we're shutting off our access to all of them. Yeah. And so it's not just pay attention to the scary stuff. It's pay attention to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And like I your ability that. to recognize yourself, what you need in your body, what's going on and celebrate what's going on too. Cause it's not all bad. I think that helps with the duality and helps yeah. us be able to be more in tune when things are going mm-hmm. awry, when there's little lights come on that say, Oh, something's not right. I need to attend to it. There's an invitation for us. And I, and Hannah, I just can't hype you enough mm-hmm. for your courage to to be so open and vulnerable yeah. and just even to say like I am learning from you like hearing you share about you know how like a normal exp- like life moment because it wasn't a super extreme good or bad was hard and how that was actually triggering right some of these suicidal thoughts like just yeah like I just can ad- relate to that and yeah. identify with mm-hmm. that and 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 your courage to try I know we started out there like yeah you know, yeah, you had the answers within. Mm -hmm. You tried something different. You started a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think for most people, it really is as simple as that. And it may be just starting the conversation with yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Grab a mirror. Hey, ham, something's something's up. (laughs) I think saying something out loud, even to yourself. I think I think we say a lot of things to ourselves internally. Yeah. And there is so much power in moving our mouths yeah. and putting volume to something. Yeah. And like that may feel silly, but like if you're feeling this way and don't have the comfortability to say it to someone else yet, yeah. I encourage you to find it, even if it's a, a stranger on warm lines or someone that you can trust or a therapist. Mm-hmm. But if not, find the courage to say it to yourself. Like, go sit in your car or stand in your closet yeah. or do something because yeah, you're your first greatest resource and the one you need to access the most yeah. before you can access other ones. Yeah. And if we're not willing to access ourselves, it will be really hard to access mm-hmm. other ones. Yeah. And so just getting the courage to say it out loud. Yes. It matters. There's something about saying it out loud, like letting it matter. And yeah. I think it matters. I think there's a beautiful reflection of creating space for yourself by by doing something like speaking something out loud that mm-hmm. correlates really closely to the you're allowed to be here piece of yes. wanting to escape. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many people with suicide feel like the world would be better without them mm-hmm. or it would just yeah. be easier for those they loved or whatever that they don't deserve to belong. Mm-hmm. And I think Beautiful the sign. claiming your space by even saying out loud mm-hmm. how you're feeling yeah. is a very great mirror and a first step to saying I deserve to be here. That's exactly yes. right. 
Thank you, Emily, for this conversation. I'm just so grateful for your wisdom and the way that you just are so human. Mm. Like, I just love that uh, in every conversation I have with you, I feel more connected to who I am as a human Mm -hmm. um, because I know that you are deeply connected to who you are as a human. Oh, thanks. So thank you. And Hannah, thank you for sharing so much of your own story and being willing to engage with us in it. I was thinking about this conversation. We had a conversation around suicide a year ago and Mm -hmm. how much more comfortable I am with this topic because I've been intentionally in conversations and where people have been willing to go first and share their experience. And so that would... That would just be my hope is that we would all continue to lean into these conversations and that the spectrum would grow. Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call 1-800-341-7432 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.